This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha. And this is Serial Holic Sisters. True crime shit. Hey girl. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. It has been a hot minute. It has been stupid. So (laughs) basically, I was sick for well over a week. I got hit pretty bad um, like two Thursdays ago. And I thought I was good, you know, by the next Sunday, like that following Sunday, I was like, oh, I'm I'm okay. I went to work on Monday, went to work on Tuesday. I was started feeling a little better. And then Thursday was Aiden's next football game. And it was actually home. So I was like, oh, yay, I can be home. I don't have to rush. I don't have to drive, you know, straight from work out of town or anything like that. Right. I'm at, and I'm at Aiden's football game and my husband's sitting next to me. We've got the other two kids and everything. And we're sitting there rooting on. And about the middle of the third quarter, all of a sudden, I started shaking uncontrollably, like freezing cold. It's 90 degrees outside and I was freezing so obviously I knew something was wrong. <laughs> right. Like I got I got to go. <laughs> I either got the covid or <laughs> right. I'm just or I'm just straight dying something. So you got sick and then you thought you were better and then you had a relapse basically. Yeah, I I don't know if I just had like a a bad bug like the week before or something. I I don't know. It it was just awful. And then the very next Thursday like I I ended up going and getting COVID tested the next day, but I asked him to do like a full panel. I was like, do full panel. I just want to make sure that I'm not super, super sick. So please do everything. <laughs> so they COVID tested me and then they swabbed me. They checked me for strep and everything too. And uh, came back. I had the flu. I was like the flu in 90 degree weather. It was a literal repeat of me a couple weeks before yes. this. Like I literal just, repeat. I was like, what the crap is going on? And then it hit uh, all like pretty much all my family one by one, but it wasn't the flu. Right. I think it was just a 24 hour bug for them because they were sick for like a day and then right. the day they were better. So I was thankful for that, but it has been crazy. So, so it really stopped our recording. <laughs> I was saying between the two of us for the past month, it's just been nothing but sickness. It's been mm-hmm. awful, but I, I hope everybody's staying healthy out there because yes, it is not sure it's, it's getting crazy. The world is crazy, y'all, if you didn't know it's that so already. <laughs> it's so crazy. So, so I am going to go ahead and do the the week that I had planned to do two weeks ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of people might know it. Um, he's known as the acid bath killer. So yeah, we'll just go ahead and get right in it. Okay, let's get into it. So this uh, case is over John George Hay. He was born on July 24th, 1909 in Lincolnshire and his father and his mother were both super like ultra religious. His father was actually a colliery foreman, which I had to look it up. And that's somebody that like supervises the staff in a mine, like coal mining. Okay. So like he was 
he was kind of strict, which I don't know, all the movies that I've ever seen with coal mining, the, the fathers are assholes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like so, sitting here, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, wait, yeah. <laughs> like, what was that movie? Um, what was it? October Sky was one, right? That I don't know. I've never cool? seen that. Oh yeah. Um, his father was a coal miner. That, it reminded me too much from the title of Vanilla Sky, which was awful. <laughs> and I'll never get that amount of time in my life back from watching that. Yeah, so that's probably why I never watched that. <laughs> that. That was actually a bad one. No, this one was a good one. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, because of this, like his family lived in, I don't know how to explain it. They were, they just didn't, they didn't have like a big up came, like they weren't rich. They didn't have a lot of money. They lived in a smaller place. Um, okay. It was pretty confined. In fact, John was confined to living within like a 10 foot fence that his dad put around the house Wait, um, so lived outside the house no I, like no <laughs> he was inside the house sorry like he was <laughs> he was confined like the house had like a 10 foot fence around it and they weren't allowed to leave the fenced in yard is what I was trying to say oh sorry. okay I was so like, like they, they made him sleep a, in the yard <laughs> no 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 that came out wrong <laughs> let me let me reword that um okay no he, so they couldn't leave the area of the fence no they went to school but like as far as it was like school and home you weren't okay. going anywhere he was trying to lock out the outside world like from this little fenced area he did not he didn't want anything to do with neighbors he didn't want anything to do with them and they were super religious I mean, like, I, I also don't want anything to do with the world, but like, I mean, no, I don't like people either. So, right. so I'm just kidding. I, I mean, um, I get it. <laughs> but John later on actually claimed that he suffered from like recurring religious nightmares in his childhood because oh. of how strict his family, yeah. his family's views were and everything. Um, and at 17 years old, he left school and was apprenticed to a firm of motor engineers. So like he went up and hung out with these people and learned some stuff. And then after about a year, he left that job and took jobs in insurance and advertising. I feel like those are all jobs that you would need some sort of background. <laughs> just like, well, it's funny that you say that because um, it gets a little sketchy here soon. So okay. like, at age 21, he was fired after being suspected of stealing from the cash box. Okay. And I thought then, you were going to say like at age 21, he decided he was an accountant now and also a lawyer. <laughs> not quite, but I mean, by 1934, he got married and he decided early on that he didn't want to work for someone else. So he wanted to start a business for himself, but he didn't have any kind of degree. So he forged vehicle documents um, and other documents to be able to open up his own shop. And then um, that didn't last long because somebody found out and turned him in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he ended up spending 15 months in jail for, yeah, you, for you forgery. Can't, you can't be doing that. that that's mm -mm. a serious, a serious offense. It is. It is. Well, while doing his time, his wife divorced him. Oh. <laughs> so Sometimes it'd have, be like that. Yeah. Um, and on his release, he started a dry cleaning business with a partner and it actually ended up doing pretty well. Like it, it was pretty successful okay. until 
his partner was killed in a car crash. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty inconvenient for him because the business went oh under. It was, it was pretty inconvenient for him <laughs> that his partner got killed. It, it was. <laughs> he, I mean, he wasn't, he was more upset at the fact that his business was going to fail because That's his partner wasn't there. Pretty shitty, but okay. Yeah. He's a <laughs> shitty human being. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're talked about on this podcast, I'm pretty sure you're, chances are you're going to be a pretty shitty human being. He is a <laughs> shitty human being, like a major shitty human being. I'm just going to go ahead and say trigger warning moving forward too. Okay. Because um, it gets, it escalates. Let's just put it that It, it usually does. <laughs> so like so like he um he has all these odd jobs and stuff uh and then he you know he's stealing he's doing all these crazy things and then um in 1936 he ends up moving to London and he was able to get a job as a chauffeur to a family um in fact the family they were the McSwan family fancy especially they have their own driver and everything yeah so um, he starts chauffeuring me, this family, and unfortunately, he couldn't stop doing dumb shit. Um, no. Basically, he stole from the wrong people and ended up doing four years in jail again. Okay. So he gets released August of 1940, but was back inside again within a year for stealing again. So like he doesn't learn. He's just a dumbass. He, right. He continues to do this because he needs the money, but he doesn't learn. This time when he was released, though, um, he becomes a salesman for a firm in Crawley and he stuck with it for about four years. Okay. Um, and in the summer of 1944, he ended up bumping into Mil William McSwan, you know, the, the family, one of the people of the family that he was chauffeuring for. Right. And he decided, he's like, hey, how's it going? It's been a while. You want to go get a drink? And he's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So <laughs> they go, <laughs> they go to this bar and they start drinking. And um, after a few drinks, John's like, hey, you want to come check out my workshop? And uh, Mick Swan, like William or whatever, he's like, yeah, sure. Let's go check out your workshop. So they go to this workshop and, and they're um, in there. He's John is showing him some of his like newest invention type things that he's been creating in this workshop, um, which by the way, his workshop is like almost like a car workshop. It's like a mechanic shop, right? Yes. And, and he's inventing things. So it's not, well, he's trying to. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's, he's an inventor now. Got it. <laughs> he invented post-its. <laughs> <laughs> he was a businesswoman. He was a businesswoman. <laughs> so um, they start, you know, he's showing them all this stuff and they get into a little bit of an argument while they're there. Um, I don't know what the argument was about. I don't know if William was like, this is stupid shit. <laughs> he's like, John, dude, he's like, bro, your inventions suck. <laughs> <laughs> they get into an argument and John escalates things and he ends up smashing McSwan's skull in. Oh no. Yeah. And of course he freaks out and he's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, I just killed this guy. Right. So his first thought to do. I'm sure it was, was a bad thought. It was. Okay. <laughs> was to put his body in one of those big containers that they use to catch rainwater. Mm -hmm. So um, back then the barrels, they just look like the big drum barrels that we right. buy now. 
Um, do we, do we buy them? Well, I mean, I don't buy them. <laughs> I guess that, <laughs> I should reword that too. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't buy them, but you know, like the stuff that you see chemicals come in and things like right. that. <laughs> you know, those big drum barrels that we all have lying around. Like <laughs> <laughs> so puts his body in this big container and instead of just like closing it up and like not doing anything with it until he figured it out, he decided he was going to just fill it with acid. Okay. So he, that's what he did. He filled it with acid so that it would eat the body. And of course this is going to cause an issue, right? Because that was only one member of the family. Like what, what happens if like the rest of his family wonders where he's at? They're going to wonder, but I feel like they would just put out a missing person and that'd be, that would be it, right? He didn't want that to happen. So he ends up going to talk to the McSwan family and he makes friends with this family. Oh my God. And um, he's like, hey, I just thought I'd let you know that William came to me and told me that he was going to go into hiding to avoid being called into the armed forces. Because back then, you know, like their firstborn child, that's a boy was being called into fight in the military I get that but I feel like that'd be something he'd tell his family (laughs) well a hundred percent hundred percent but you wouldn't just go off to your driver and be like hey I'm about to go into hiding well and he's not even their driver anymore right right he got arrested and spent four years in jail yeah he's he's just an inventor now he ended up going and talking to him and and they were like oh I'm so glad that he caught you and told you about it um that would have made me worry um and he ended up sending the family letters and acting like William. Wait, John and, sent the family letters? Yes. John sent the family letters as William to make it believable and let them know, you know, he, he wrote them as William and he was like, I'm doing fine. I just wanted to let you guys know that I missed you and things like that. So his family believed it. Okay. They don't know his handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like you would know that. Well, this was all until like July of 1945 when John decided that he couldn't keep up the deception. Like he didn't want to continue this, this shroud or anything like he Shroud? Shroud. Is that how you pronounce it? That's how it, charade? Is that better? Charade? Have you never heard charade? Like the game charades? (laughs) Is that how you say it? (laughs) I've literally never heard you say that word in my life. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, I mean- I say charades when we're playing, but okay. Yeah, no. Okay. Take that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like that. You think that it's fancier than it is. That's charade. Don't fuck with me. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't want to continue this game. Okay. So he decided, um, he was going to call up the McSwan family and have them come and meet him at his shop, his his little workspace. His inventor workspace. Mm Mm-hmm. That's probably not a good idea. He's like, hey, do you guys want to come and check this out? And so they came down and he decided he was just going to murder them the same exact way that they did William. How many of them was it? Do you know? Two. It was okay. Two. I was like, yeah. I didn't know how many. Two. So it I was, was like, is he going to one by one bash them in the head? It was his mother. It was his mother and his father. Um, William was the oldest son. Okay. You know, he, so... It was his mother and his father. So they came and he beat them in the back of the head and um, did the same thing to them, put them in a barrel. 
and poured acid in it. Poured acid, okay. So after killing off the family, um, he was actually able, which I don't understand how he was. He must have been really good at forging stuff, but he was able to act like he was William McSwan and was ended up obtaining like legal control of all their possessions. Oh, damn. I was gonna say he's not that good at forging because they went to jail for it earlier. I know. <laughs> well, he ended up getting all their shit. All their shit. That's fucked up. And he made over $4,000 in the process, which of course, you know, in 1945, that's a lot of money. Right. $4,000 was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. And what year? Lot. I'm going to look it up. I want to see how much it was. Oh, I got it. It's going to be like half of the next amount that I'm going to tell you here soon. So after, this is where it starts getting worse, by the way. So after the killing of the McSwan family, he moved into, um, it's called the Onslow Court Hotel, which was in King Kensington at the time. So like he moved into a hotel. He didn't have a house, didn't have any of that. He was like, I've got all this money. I can move into this fancier place. Mm-hmm. So by the summer of 1947, he started running short of money. Okay. Which is going to be a problem for him because, you know, he can't keep a job can't keep a job, doesn't want to work. He doesn't want want to work for anybody else. I mean, I said that earlier too, at the beginning, he even stated, I don't want to work for anybody else. I want to start my own business. Right now his business is basically a gambler and a killer. So he decides that he is going to try to find another family that he can scandal. So he runs into another couple and uh, their names were Dr. Archibald Henderson and his wife, Rose Henderson. He met them while showing interest in a house that they were selling. Like he was going to act like he was going to buy the house. Um, Really hit it off, started chit-chatting with them and decided that he was going to ask them if they wanted to come check out his space that he's got a small workshop in and see if they could maybe help him move said space to a new workshop location if he bought their house. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So they're like, okay, (laughs) and they go. So he ends up um, on February 12th, 1945, he drove the Hendersons to the small workshop. Um, He told them that he had an invention to show them and wanted to ask for some help moving it. And when they arrived, John shot um, Archibald in the head with a revolver that he had earlier stolen from the house that he was showing interest in to buy. So from their house? (laughs) Yes. So he He stole stole dude's gun and shot him with it? Shot him with it. Okay. And then he lured his wife Rose into the workshop saying that her husband had fallen ill and that he needed her help to to carry him back out to the car. She didn't hear a gunshot? I fucking know. <laughs> okay. And ends up shooting her. So then he's like, okay, well, I've got this two these two people. And um, this is kind of a small workshop. So he rented another space and moved all the drums from his old location to the new location. And then put their bodies in it and poured acid in it. So after disposing of their bodies in these big drums, he forged a letter from them 
in order to sell all of their possessions and got $8,000. And in 1948, the amount of $8,000 to today is $216,000. Okay. It was a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. Now he sold all the possessions except for their dog. He kept that. Now, this leads John to the last and final victim. So his final victim's name was Olive Duran Deacon. She was 69 and she was a widow. And she mentioned to John by then, like he had met her, you know, they were, they were actually living. I, I think I read that they were living in like the same hotel. Okay. Just like um, hotel, hotel neighbors. Yeah. Um, and he was like, he had called himself to like, he was calling himself an engineer and inventor by then. So in passing, talking to her, like he had said this stuff to her. He was so, like, hey, I'm an inventor. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's he was really like, okay. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. Um, well, the reason that's important is because she had caught him in passing and said that she had an idea for artificial fingernails and wanted to pass it by to him because, you know, he was an engineer and inventor. Were fake nails a thing? Like acrylics or like press-ons? I don't know. Like, I never did, looked did, on. did she have something going on and she could have really made herself a pretty penny. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Are you looking up when it came I out? am. Please fake do. Nails, fake I, nail, even... I said, when were fake nails invented in 1934? Well, this is after that. Yeah. So maybe she had an idea for like a different type. Oh yeah. Who knows? Because this is like 1949 now. And also interesting. It wasn't for cosmetic purposes. It was for nail biters. So they could have actual nails and, and not bite their nails. Is that not why they do it now? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people do it now for like. To be cute and junk. <laughs> Wait. I'm sorry. I'm getting. According to this article from bitch media <laughs> oh okay <laughs> <laughs> um back in ancient egypt women used to wear artificial nails made out of ivory bone and gold yeah that's a hard pass for me so yeah <laughs> fun fact for you a little factoid <laughs> okay. well anywho <laughs> john john ended up inviting her down to what you know he calls well, I call it, he didn't, I call it his oh. death workshop. <laughs> you call his death what? His death workshop. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he invites her down to his death workshop on February 18th, 1949. Don't go, to go over. Yeah. To go <laughs> over her idea of artificial fingernails. Mm -hmm. And once um, she was inside, he shot her in the back of the head. With Archibald's <laughs> gun? probably okay <laughs> so um she didn't even see it coming like she was turned around he shot yeah. her back in. so he stripped her of all her valuables including a persian lamb coat and then put her in the acid bath okay now the problem at this time was that this poor little old lady had friends mm -hmm. <laughs> she was a widow i mean she made her own little old lady friends and, you know, little old ladies talk. I was going to say she had her little gossip group. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, she did. So two days. And I, I'm, I'm willing to bet her gossip group knew about him. Well, so two days later, um, Duran's friend, Constance Lane, reported mm-hmm. her missing because it was very unlike her to miss, you know, her morning tea and all that stuff. Right. So um, detectives started an investigation and his name was brought up as somebody that she had had mentioned recently to her friends that wasn't mentioned before. Okay. They're like, there's this new suspicious name. Yeah. They're like, um, I, she mentioned this guy's name before. Um, I don't know if she was meeting him or not, but we never heard of him before. Right. I think he lives in the building. Okay. Have you seen only murders in the building? Oh my God. I started it last night and I looked. It's so good. (laughs) It is. It's so good. I'm on, I think I'm only like the third episode now, but oh man, it's so good. It's so good. Anyways, anyways. that made me think of that. Anyways, continue. They, the detective started investigating and they discovered that John had a record of theft and fraud. Yes. And decided to dig into him some more. They found out that he was running a small workshop, um, that he had just moved to a different small workshop. It wasn't even a larger workshop that he just moved closer to where he was at. And they found it a little bit suspicious. So they decided they were going to search it. Don't, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. Um, so the police not only found that like John's little briefcase that he had in the location contained a dry cleaners receipt for Mrs. Duran's coat, but it also had papers referring to the Hendersons and the McSwans. So they looked into it and in further investigation, they found the drums. So they opened the drums. Obviously there was a disgusting rancid smell. Mm -hmm. Um, and they sent it off to a pathologist named Keith Simpson, who was able to reveal that left inside of the drums were three human gallstones. That's it? Yeah. It ate everything else. It ate everything else. (laughs) Like disintegrated everything else. It ate it all. (laughs) That's the scientific term for it yeah but I like to say that it ate everything because it did it ate everything (laughs) so gallstones all that's left which is so weird because you would think that acids like break that up but whatever I'm sure I'm sure that's just what was left at the time I don't know everybody doesn't have gallstones that just means that that one person had gallstones (laughs) (laughs) I don't know bro (laughs) I don't know they should have went and got that checked out because I bet that was painful. That should, it is painful. I've had <laughs> in fact, I didn't even know that I had gallstones and I thought I was legitimately dying at one time. Right. I mean, you remember that. It was I do. It was like two years ago, I think is what it was. They, I, I actually had to take a medication to try to shrink said gallstones. Because- yeah, because they were too bad, big to pass. So this poor person was <laughs> suffering from gallstones and then this jackass killed them. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so obviously after the sludge was found, um, it caused them to go question John. They needed to pull him in for questioning. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Good police detective work. (laughs) So he was questioned by um, Detective Inspector, which I didn't know. Wait a minute. (laughs) Detective Inspector Albert Webb. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say 
I thought you were saying this detective's name was Inspector, and I was like, that's no. the perfect job for him, Detective <laughs> Inspector. Inspector <laughs> um, no, his name was Albert Webb. It's like so, when people uh, become like bakers and their last name is Baker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, when he was being questioned, mm-hmm. John asked him, in a quote, "Tell me." Frankly, what are the chances of anybody being released from Broadmoor, which is the prison? Oh, I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, so Albert said that he could not discuss that sort of thing. And to which John replied, well, if I told you the truth, you would not believe me. It sounds too fantastic to believe. I was confused because I forgot his name was Albert. I thought his name was Inspector. So I was yeah. like, <laughs> that's why I said Albert because I knew you were going to be confused. <laughs> I was like, who is Albert? Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. Got it. It's fantastic. So, it's fantastic. So John then confessed that he had not only killed Duran Deacon, the McSwans, and the Hendersons, mm-hmm. but that he also killed other three other people a young man called Max, a girl from Eastbourne, and a woman from Hammersmith. However, the three others might have been part of John's attempt to convince the police of insanity because there wasn't any actual proof or any more information on the people that he claimed to kill. Like there was no last names, nothing like that was provided. No no evidence. So they're thinking that he just made it up just so that he could plead insanity. Okay. So after the arrest, John was charged with murder at the nearby courthouse and the attorney general sir hartley shawcross <laughs> oh shit okay um he led for the prosecution and he urged the jury to reject the prisoner's defense of insanity because he acted you know like he he didn't do it out of insanity like he had intent to kill right like he clearly killed the one dude after the argument right. and then was like oh shit now i have to go kill his family right well, then Sir David Maxwell Fife, who defended John. There's a lot of sirs here, by the way. There's a lot like, of sirs. Does but... that mean they're knights? Like, are there knights in this courthouse? <laughs> I don't know. It's, like, it's the 1940s. I don't know if they're just, na- they're called sirs. because are they they're just like being like gentlemen? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I like to imagine that they're knights. So that's what I'm going to do. Well, now that I'm visioning this, this <laughs> courthouse with like the steel armor. Right, right. <laughs> anyways, so anyways, he defended John and he called many witnesses to state John's mental state, but it didn't help anyone. It, it only took minutes for the jury to find John guilty mm-hmm. and he was sentenced to death. Oh, okay. It was also reported that John... Um, like in the cell at the prison he was at, had asked one of his jailers, Jack Morewood, whether it would be possible to have a trial run of his hanging so everything would go smoothly. Yeah. Wait, what? Like he was going to practice him hanging himself. What? Okay. They were yeah. like, no, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah. Basically, he, that was denied. <laughs> right. <laughs> like we don't, it's not a, play like it's not we don't yeah he's he's really trying to push this insanity thing john was led to the gallows by the chief executioner albert pierpoint another albert yeah another albert on august 10th 1949 so he uh he he was killed 
He looks like <laughs> this is gonna sound. I'm gonna so Google weird. him. Hang on. I need to Google Just him. Tell me I'm what serious. you think he looks like when you look him up. John K. It's H A I G H. Oh, I was not smart like that. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. So he looks like he was trying to grow a mustache. <laughs> He looks like Hitler. I'll just say it. He but looks he could like not and grew the Hitler stash. <laughs> but it doesn't look like he shaved it that way. Like it looks like it just grew in all Hitlery like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like it does not look intentional, but it looks like that. It's Hitler. <laughs> so basically the point of this is just don't ever grow that type of mustache because um, I can't say mustache. What's wrong? <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> I was going to ask you why you're like, mustache. <laughs> mustache. Well, me and Danielle watched The Conjuring 2 earlier and they were in England. And so all day I've been like saying things like little and <laughs> <laughs> little. <laughs> speaking, Can you not? In a, speaking in a Cockney accent. And so I don't know, mustache just came out. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay though. Okay, so you can, why don't y'all follow us? <laughs> follow all the stuff. <laughs> follow all the stuff and things. You can go to SeriaHawkSisters.com. You can see all of our Instagram, Facey Space, all that cool stuff. All the good things. You can send us a Gmail if you have any kind of requests or listener tales. We would love to do an episode of Listener Tales. I really want to do Listener Tales, but you know what I keep thinking of is it would be so great if people would like bombard us with listener tales so we can do it around Halloween. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because I was just thinking earlier that we have to do something special because spooky mm-hmm. season. Hello. Like last year we did that special episode that was so it's the long best time of year. Tis the season. Tis the season. I literally look forward to it every year. I mean, I'm, I'm spooky all year round, but. Right. So yeah, if you want to bombard us with Please, spooky tales. That would be amazing. So many, and they don't have to be true crime related. They can be, you know, just spooky related. You have like a ghost story that you want to share? Send us your ghost story. Yeah. You have some like weird paranormal thing you want to share? Send it to us because we are straight ready to do like a really cool episode with a bunch of little tales. I love, I love listener tales. They always creep me out Mm -hmm. because you know it's like people's actual accounts, you know. So if you want to send those in, you can send them to us at serialholicsisters at gmail.com. Yes, please. Send so them please in. send us your spooky tales. Guess that's it. We should end it. We should be awkward. Yeah, let's be awkward. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.